Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood. I was asking our very creative staff this week to give me some ideas of the fears that we have in the fall season. Now, it's all kind of jokes and kind of things that we fear in the fall. There were so many. I then put them on a top 10 list. Jeff, top 10 list is for you. I know Jeff is a big top 10 list fan. So here we go. Number 10, things we fear in the fall. That Starbucks run out of PSL. Anybody fearing that? It's October 2nd. I feel like I've had my fair share already. Anyone fearing that? All right. I mean, number nine, that at homecoming, you're wearing the same dress as someone else at the dance. Anybody at homecoming last night? I'm banking on third hour. There being a whole section of people who went to homecoming. They're going to be at church today, right? Okay. Number eight, that our work won't allow our flannels to fit the definition of business casual. Is flannel business casual? Jeff, what do you think? Absolutely. All right. No, yes. I don't know. Maybe. All right. Number seven. It might go straight from summer to winter and just keep skip fall altogether. Anyone fearful of that? Can we talk about snow? October snow? No, let's not talk about that. All right. Number six. The smell of kicking the furnace on for the first time and realize you haven't changed a 30-day filter in 300 days. There's somebody here like writing something down right now. Like when I get home, check the filter. Oh, yeah. All right. Number five, that Christmas displays will drown out the Halloween candy displays at the store. Are we hearing Christmas music yet? It's too early for that, right? It probably is. All right. All right. Number four, the neighbor's leaves falling into your yard. Please tell me you're not that person. Like you're, you're only going to rake that leaf, but not that one. Please tell me we're raking all the, yes, we're those people. Yeah, we're not just like blowing leaves back into our neighbor's yards. All right, anyway, uh, don't tell me the answer to that. Number three, leaving the light on by accident Halloween night and trying to hide so the kids won't see that you're home. The doorbell rings. Everybody, duck. Crawl into the basement. All right, number two, uh, that the Buckeyes will lose to an unranked team. That would ruin the fall, right? Yes, no, yeah, yeah, all right. All right, number one thing that we are fearful of in the fall season, here it comes. You ready for this? That you'll show up to church on the time change Sunday only to realize you're an hour early. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll put you to work. <laughs> well, all of us have fear, not fears like these, but part of our DNA, part of our design of humanity is that we are people who are fearful. We have fear that resides in our lives, in our hearts. And we're not talking about these kinds of fears, but maybe fears of not measuring up, or a fear of being judged by others, a fear of being inadequate, a fear of failing, a fear in relationships. All of these are real fears that humanity wrestles with. But there is one fear that is the fear of all of them. The one that is at the base of all fear. The one that is the fear of fears is what I call it. And that is the fear of death. The fear of death. The unknownness of it. 
When, how, where, what will it look like? It's, it's always lurking. The fear of death is something that is deep, deep in the soul of humanity. And I'm convinced that if we don't have an answer for that fear, then all the other fears will always be controlling us. The writer of Hebrews wants to answer the deepest fear that you have. The deepest fear you have is the fear of death. What is your answer? How do you wrestle? How, what do you do with that deepest fear? Because when you deal with that fear, then you're able to then deal with the other fears of this life. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a very important conversation. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, the writer wants to answer this question. He wants us to give, he wants to give answers that we can cling to um, in the midst of this life that we can know. And so that's why we've gathered. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. If you have one of the journals, uh, we're following along in this series. This is, if, if you're newer to our church, welcome. You haven't, you've missed three weeks so far, but you can always catch up. Um, the sermons and services are online, uh, but just to give you uh, just kind of a running start, in, in week one we talked about that the word has been spoken, and that spoken word is Jesus Christ. Um, the week two was all about Jesus being superior to angels. We talked a lot about angels and what we think about them. Uh, they're very powerful in their position and in what they can do, but there is one who is who is much more powerful. His name is Jesus Christ. And then last week, we talked about a word in the Bible that only appears right here in Hebrews, this idea of drifting, drifting, spiritual drift, and how it affects every single one of us. So it's all of those things as we now work ourselves into the next section of chapter 2. And, um, and so today, we're going to see three movements. This is what I call them, three movements in the text that will allow us to discover an answer to this fear of death that we have. The first movement is uh, in the first uh, five verses, and it really is to look at the origin of fear. Like, what is the origin? Where does this all come from, this, this fear that we have? Because in understanding the origin might give us clarity in other parts of understanding. So these uh, are the, the God-breathed words um, that he wants you to hear this morning out of Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 5. It'll be right here on the screen. If you look at it in your Bible, here's what the, God's word says. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. A number of years ago, our family made the trip to the Mecca of Chocolates. Anyone been to Hershey, PA? You've been there. And I found myself and our family, we were on the trolley getting the tour, hearing about all of the different things of chocolate. 
and uh, they're passing out lots of chocolates, wonderful tour to take. And uh, there we are eating the Reese peanut butter cup. Yes, yes, it's a one. I heard a lot of people like, hmm, I wish I had one right now, right? Here, no, I don't have one. I'm sorry, I don't have one for you. But it was interesting because they were telling the story of of the Reese cup. H.B. Reese, he worked for Hershey, and in his basement at night, he was concocting the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolates. And as you're hearing the origin story in 1963, it says, and they tell you that he then, H.B., sold everything of the Reese's to Hershey for, catch this number, $23 million dollars which I think is probably on the light end of things compared to how many they've sold over the years. All that to say that there is, there is really like interesting and clarity and moments of like, wow, I didn't know that, that then gives a fullness of picture. And not just to Reese cups, but that's what the author is doing here. He's telling you the origin story of the fear of death. The origin story. Where, where did it all come from? Well, he says, let's go back a ways. And for a people, uh, the Hebrew congregation, they were well-versed in the Old Testament. They knew it. They lived it. Most of them probably had the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, probably memorized. And so he is now leaning into that origin story, going all the way back to Genesis And he's highlighting the moment in the very first chapter before the entrance of sin into the world. And in that moment, God was giving mankind uh, their jobs. This is what you're, you're expected to be about and to do. Notice the language. On this over here, I'll put Genesis 1. Notice what it says. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything, living thing that moves on the earth. And so God tells them very clearly in Genesis that here's your job. You are to steward everything. Watch over it. Subdue it. Have dominion. This is the origin of what mankind was to take on in the world. In God's perfect design, and at the end of the sixth day, it says in the text that God rested, and what he saw was not just good, it was very good. And what you notice in that moment, what is not around, fear. And especially the fear of death. It's not a part of the story. But as we go back to the Hebrews passage, uh, he also then links in another writer of the Old Testament just to kind of build kind of the origin story. And he leans into Psalm 8. If you were to go into Psalm chapter 8, you would then see this and many other things, speaking about mankind. That's what the writer of Psalm 8 was speaking about. And he would say things like this. It's almost verbatim of what the Hebrews writer would say. You have given him dominion over the, the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Catch this. Uh, 
the writer of Hebrews is leaning into Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is leaning into Genesis 1. All of them are telling you the origin story of mankind. But here's what we know, that Adam and Eve did go their own way. They made their own choice to go against God right after this moment. And in Genesis, it says, immediately after this moment, they then experienced something that they had never experienced before. It's as if Adam and Eve, they, they, they make a horrible decision, and now they are hiding from God because, the text says, because they were what? They were afraid. Fear. Fear. Sin. Fear. And not only that, but sin and fear that led to the greatest fear, death. Death was now a part of the equation of humanity's existence that has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And so... The writer of Hebrews is now giving us the origin story that helps us understand, like, oh, now I'm putting all of this in context. This idea of, of death, that's where it came from. Okay, it's good to know. And all of these pronouns that you see of him and his, I would, I would put towards humanity. He's talking about humans and the him and his and the sobering reality is that when you get to uh, verse 8, the last part, this is what he says. He says, at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Well, that's an understatement. <laughs> of course we don't. I mean, one day we will get back to that. Um, but until then, we live in a broken and fallen world where the greatest fear is the fear of death. All right, good to know. All right, now the, the writer is now going to move into the next movement. If movement one was about the origin, movement two is what I'm calling the ultimate answer to fear. The ultimate answer. That's why we've gathered. Like, how can I deal with this greatest fear that I have? In verse 9, he answers that question. Listen to these words. But we see him. This is a different him now. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Maybe you're like me, but I am someone who loves weather phenomenons. 
Anybody else out there? You're like weather people. Like this past week was so, so interesting on many levels as I was, as we were all probably following the news of this hurricane. And if there was one person who I will like, I like live vicariously through, it is Jim Cantor. And I don't know if you know this or not about him. He's the guy on the Weather Channel. And when everybody is like fleeing away from hurricanes and horrible things of weather, he's the one who's going there. And this is a picture that was taken of him this past week. And it's interesting because I feel like this, this picture is worth more than a thousand words on, on many levels. Um, Everybody has evacuated. Everybody is gone. Jim is there, and he's hanging on to a street sign, one that's already been knocked down, but he's hanging on for dear life. In the teeth of of the storm, 150-mile-an-hour winds that are just raking over the, the Gulf Coast, there he is in the heart of the storm. This is what the author is telling us in these five verses Have that picture of of Jim Cantor because God's answer to the greatest storm, uh, the the greatest fear that plagues humanity, the fear of death, it's it's like it's a, a hurricane that's ready to make landfall. And the thing that he does to answer that is to send his son to face it. It's not about fleeing and running and what do we do about this thing of death? We can't handle it. Let's evacuate. That wasn't what God's plan was. His plan was to face the greatest fear with his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest fear that we have was met with God's son. But not just with his son. It's, it's, the plan was so unpredictable. Do you see what he says here? Notice that the answer to the fear of death was met with death. Who would have thought of that? Surely not humanity. This is a a God plan. He is meeting the greatest fear that we have, the fear of death, with the death of his son. That's the heart of verse 9 right there. That, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The pronouns have changed from mankind. Now it's all about what Christ has done. He was the one who was made lower than the angels. He was the one that has this incredible story of incarnation. God sending his son to earth. It's the the, the heart of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent. He sent his son. It's the beauty of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. And he sent him to the fiercest place, into the the teeth of the the fiercest storm. He sent his suffering son. And notice what it says, to be the one who would taste death. 
Now, that, that's not a euphemism to say that he tasted it, a sort of, kind of dead, not really. No, 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 no. It, it, it's clearly meaning that he was the one who did it first. He tasted death, three days dead. He, he went to that place with all of its difficulties and horrors, and he did it for mankind because he loved the world so much he sent his son into that fierce hurricane of the fear of death. And so verse 10 is an interesting word of what Jesus did. It's that I'm calling the Jim Cantor moment. He is the founder of their salvation. It's a word that means the, the trailblazer, the source, the pioneer, the one that goes where nobody else could go. He is the leader of faith our faith, who suffered death. And then by his resurrection, he broke the power of death. And so the, this is the ultimate answer for mankind's soul-existing fear. It is Jesus Christ. That's it. You need to hear this from the writer of Hebrews. Your greatest fear of death has an answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. The New Testament's uh, repeats this same truth over and over again. The Apostle Paul, I'll point to one, it's pretty clear, in the book of Philippians, notice what he says. He said, who though he was in the form of God, he's speaking about Jesus Christ, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what the plan was, sending his son into the storm. And it, it, this does not mean when it says that he laid aside, that he was laying aside his deity. Now, that, that's a wrong teaching. He was laying aside his position <laughs> He was going to be one of us, incarnation, to face the greatest fear head on. All right, let's pause here for a moment. Before we venture on, let me ask, do you know this truth? Do you know this? This is, this is foundational. This is really important. The, the origin story of the fear of death is wound into every single one of us. The ultimate answer is found in Christ alone. Do you know this? Because if you don't, you will keep wrestling with the fear of death. And it will plague you for the rest of your life. There is something that is so significant and freeing about this relationship. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ is to come to him to say, I realize that I have this greatest fear and the ultimate origins of it really are led by sin and I'm a sinner. I'm linked to that and I need forgiveness that can only be found in what you have done. Have you made that uh, submission? Have you submitted to that truth that Jesus Christ is the only way? Not, look how great I am, and look at how wonderful I am, and, and look at all the great things I do, and no, 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 no. That's, all of that is rubbish. 
All we can lean in in the middle of the storm is Jesus Christ, the founder, the trailblazer of our faith. Do you know him? It's a great question that the writer wants us to wrestle with. All right, let's keep moving on, because if you do have that relationship, then the rest of the verses I'm about to read are going to be encouraging to you. So encouraging that you're going to say, this can't be, this is too good to be true. Really? This is what Christ has done for me? That's what's going to happen here as I read the next set of verses, because fear, this section now is what I'm saying, fear has a replacement When you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, fear has a replace. He replaces your greatest fear with something. And it's spectacular. And so we're going to see these verses. May it be an encouragement. But at the same time, I will also say that if you do not enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, these verses will be discouraging. That there will be something that will, in your soul, that will be disconnecting to what I'm about to read. Verse 14, fear's replacement. Listen to these words. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For Jesus he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. If you have embraced Jesus Christ, these five verses are unbelievable because what replaces the greatest fear that humanity has is a relationship with God. That's the replacement. He enters into a a relationship with you. That's the replacement. That greatest thing of fear, of death. Oh, what? He replaces that with a relationship. And these verses define and really tell us what that relationship is like. In verse 14, this relationship is family. Notice what God says. That you you become part of his family. One of his children. You're not an outsider. You're someone who is invited in. Earlier in Hebrews, he'd use other language of how he sings about his brothers. I mean, there is a family feel when you submit your life to Jesus Christ. But I will warn you, the opposite is also true. If you have not submitted your life, you are not a part of his family. The text is very clear. The Bible is very clear that if you're not in a replacement of relationship with him then you are on the outside that's verse 14 verse 15 he goes on to say that this relationship is is filled with notice the word he uses here freedom freedom 
Jesus has delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Slavery. The slavery of the curse of sin goes all the way back to the origin story of Genesis. Ah, yeah, that is the thing that is around every one of us that we can't get away from. We're dragging it around. And it links us to the greatest fear of death. But when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is freedom. Freedom! It says it right here. This is good news. But if you do not know Jesus Christ, the opposite is also true. You are still enslaved. He goes on. It's like keeps getting better and better. Verse 16. The relationship you have in Christ is part of a, a long-standing trajectory of covenants. Well, what's that all about? When you enter into a relationship, you are now in the same trajectory that God has had since Abraham. Do you remember that moment when Abraham was, he told Abraham, now look into the sky and see all those stars. That's how numerous your offspring will be. And I can just imagine Abraham thinking, what are you talking about? But he was talking about something that was much bigger than just his immediate family. Because that covenant would be expanded through Moses and expanded through David And then there would be one who would have a new covenant, his name, Jesus Christ, and it would be expanded to to Gentiles, and it's amazing. And so what he's saying here is that when you enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, you're like a star in the sky that Abraham was seeing. Ah, yes, those are my children. But the reverse is also true, that if you do not know Christ, then that is not your story. In verse 17, he, he says, and guess what? When you enter into that relationship, you now have a high priest that is on your side. Well, why do I need a high priest? Well, the priest was the one who would step into the Old Testament and he would walk that delicate line of a sinful people and a holy and perfect God. And there was rules and regulations and sacrifices and everything done perfectly. And that balance of priest was very important. But guess what? Now there is one who is your high priest. And he handles the, the, the thing that is around your neck and life called sin This word of propitiation is that a holy God looks at sin and there is righteous anger there that must be dealt with. But guess what? When Jesus steps in, he stands in the way of that. And he deals with that righteous anger. But the reverse is also true, that if you do not know Christ, then you will deal with your sin in front of a holy God one day. You will pay for that penalty. And there will not be a high priest who will step in if you do not know Jesus Christ. It's great news. And lastly, he walked in our shoes. He he walked where we walked. He, He understands our suffering and our temptations and 
he's, he's been there. And he was made a little bit lower than the angels to understand and to be right where we're at. And he's able to help those who are also being tempted in this world. So the fear of death finds its replacement in your soul. Remember, this is the question of like what's at the deepest level of our soul, the fear of death. It, re- it finds its replacement in Jesus Christ. Has it? Has it? Do you know him? There's wonderful news here to be encouraged or to be warned by him. When I'm officiating a funeral, um, one of the passages I love to lean into is the one you just heard in our public reading this morning, that when people have run the race well in knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior, that there is a, a passage of Scripture that is so affirming of this truth that we are talking about in the fear of death. I'm going to read another passage I'm going to read it to you again, but allow it to be an encouragement to you as as you hear these words. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul would say, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Victory right now, even in the face of the darkest fear. There's victory. And when you have the greatest fear answered by Jesus Christ, then he says, then you can walk steadfast. It doesn't mean life is going to be easy, but when you have that fear figured out, then we can walk into other fears of life. The things that are bad when we come to medical Reports when we have relationships that are going awry and we're, we're suffering and through all of those things, when we have the greatest fear figured out, it then helps us to take the next step forward in trusting him. Thanks be to God, for he is the one who has given us the victory through his son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for this truth that we can rest upon. And for many in this room, they are resting upon that. They have gathered here in a church on a Sunday morning to hear these words of encouragement that their hearts need to hear. And there are some here who are walking through fearful things, hard things, I pray that you would meet them in their fear to remind them that you've got the greatest fear taken care of. The, the greatest fear that, that, that we wrestle with 
as we link our lives to your son, Jesus Christ. May that be an encouragement, and maybe for some in this room, this is a wake-up call to now say, today is that day to link your life, to link their lives to your son. May that also be something that you are doing in the hearts of the people in this moment. May we have ears to hear the things you want us to hear. And as Jim prayed earlier, to be not just hearers, but to be doers. And maybe today is the day that there are some who need to do um, something of work in their own life to take that step of faith in that relationship that will transform their life forever. May that be so. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.